So I want you to take a moment right now to think about a memory just with your mom, just a good memory. Just, just go back to that time. What is one of your favorite things about your mom, that, that awesome time that you can remember, that experience with your mom? I know if uh, Montrell's in here, uh, yeah, he is right there. Montrell's probably going back to his grandmother's cooking right now. That Montrell always talks about his grandmother's cooking, how she was an awesome cook. I know if my wife was in here, uh, she would talk about the many times that she gets on the phone with her mother. We've been married 11 years, and I I could swear probably 98% of the time, every day, my my wife and her mother talk, and they swap recipes, and they just have a great time on the phone. I'm like, what do you have to talk about with her? Like, you just talked to her about 15 minutes ago, you know, but they enjoy that time. For me, my memory actually goes way back. I was a little kid, maybe around four or five years old. I forgot to, show, uh, to put the picture in there. I wanted to show you guys a picture. But my mom, uh, uh, I'm originally African, right? So uh, my mom used to wrap me on her back. And she would put me in her back. And we were walking outside. I remember one day, it was an evening. The sun was setting. It was a little cooler outside. And my mom's back. I just feel the warmth, the safety, the protection that was just uh, on my mom. And it's just such an amazing experience. All of us have those memories. Most of us have those memories about mom. We can recall some good times with mom because a mother's love is epic. Not only do they care for us while we're helpless babies, and they, you know, wipe us up and clean up all their spit up and all that good stuff. But as adolescents, they're like influence over us, really shapes our young years, help us become who we are. In our teenage years, they hear, I know there's some teenagers here, you got that teenage drama, so-and-so broke up with me, or uh, this person won't talk to me. We take that often to our moms. And in our young adult years, they champion our dreams. They're the ones saying, you can do it. Go for it. And then in our adult life, many times we get on the phone with them, we call them, and we share with them our adult frustration and their wisdom. They give us this advice that you're just like, wow, you know, mom, I really didn't think about that because a mother's love is epic. And not to mention all the unseen and unspoken sacrifices that they give us that they do on our behalf because a mother's love is epic. But a mother's love is also underrated sometimes. Come on, let's be serious. Sometimes we don't appreciate our moms as much as we should. We kind of take it for granted. And you know who else we also take for granted a lot of times? Whose love for us is underrated? God's love. God's love is super underrated. He's constantly working in seen and unseen ways, moving circumstances and things into our favor. Just like we do our mothers, sometimes we take God's love for granted. And in this series, we're talking about the epic life. The epic life that God gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Or we've summarized it as, I've come to give you the epic life. 
And that's what we've been talking about throughout this series. And it's been really awesome because uh, one of the major themes of this uh, series is the epic life is marked by gospel-centered relationships. And we call that fellowship. And what do I mean by that? I mean the relationship that we have with God, the relationship that we have with Jesus, the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit who indwells us, but also the relationships that we have with each other. We have this connection towards God together. So I would encourage you, if you have not been here, if this is your first time here, like I say, welcome home, jump on online. Check out the series. Listen to the podcast. I think you will really, really enjoy it. Today, I want to share with you this. We experience the epic life when we understand God's love for us and when we extend it to others. We experience the epic life when we understand God's love for us and we extend that love towards others as well. So grab your Bibles if you turned over to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Also grab your teaching sheets right there in the handout that you were given. When you flip in on the inside, there are some notes that you can follow along as well. We do believe in teaching the Bible verse by verse, and we want you to take this and it's not just sit, let it sit in you on a Sunday, but throughout the week that you can go back to these notes and take a look at it. But as I was going through this text, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 21, something hit me. A mother's love is the closest love, closest representation that we have for God's love in humanity. Outside of Jesus Christ's sacrifice, but I'm talking about in the real, every single day life. A mother's love is the closest representation of God's love here on earth. So this is what we're going to do. We're just going to dive right in, go right to point Number one, and what we're going to do is we're going to juxtapose a mother's love and God's love and see how they correlate and how they're related and how God has blessed us with mothers to show us this love. So point number one, it says this, a mother's love is not seen simply in words, but in actions. And then here goes the point right here. God's love is not merely intellectual, but it's tangible. Mom, I got to ask you a question. How many times have you had to clean up messes that you know that were coming? Messes that you said, hey, look, don't do that. And then they go ahead and do that. And guess who ends up cleaning up the mess? I remember I was on my internship in Orlando, and I'd gone down to Florida. And this is back in the day where cell phones weren't readily available. And I was telling my mom, I was calling on the phone. They used to buy me calling cards so I could call back home. And I said, Mom... You know what I need? I need a cell phone. She's like, ah, son, you don't need a cell phone. You're not getting paid that much in, uh, in Orlando, so you're not going to be able to afford it. Cell phones are expensive. I said, no, 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 mom, I really need a cell phone. I think I should get a cell phone. She says, son, seriously, it's going to be a bad idea. Don't get that cell phone. You're not going to be able to afford it. I said, but mom, I really need a cell phone. And by the way, I need your credit on the credit check as well, too. So finally, she gives in, and she says, all right, we'll get you this cell phone. And $800 later on that cell phone bill, guess who came to the rescue and paid for that cell phone? My mom. My mom. 
verse 7 through 11. Let's, let, let's look at this text real quick. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another. He uses this word, beloved. It's a term of endearment. It's like, hey, you people who are loved. Like, hey, guys, who are loved very much. I want to share this with you. Earlier on, he's always calling them little children. This is John. This is one of uh, Jesus' disciples who walked with Jesus on earth. And he's writing this to a group of churches, a group of individuals, and encouraging them about the epic life. He was like, hey, look, I want you to have the same fellowship that we had with Jesus. I want you to have it now as well, too. So as he's writing to them, he's calling them little children because he's an older man by now. He's, he's in this age of wisdom, so he keeps saying, hey, little children, little children. But when he gets to this point of God's love, he changes it. He says, beloved, you who are loved, he's trying to tell them something. Let us love one another, for love is from God. That's still in verse 7. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this is love, God was made manifest. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, he says it again, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 9 and 10, he's saying, look, God's love, guys, is not theoretical. God's love is manifested by action. All of us have remembered this, or most of us, or everyone here has probably heard this verse quoted. Where have we seen God's epic love? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who, whosoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We see God's love is not theoretical. It it was action-oriented. He sent his son. Why? Because we were broken. There was a, a break in this connection that we had with God through this thing called sin. Sin, it, it, we hear this word a lot all the time. And in this context, we're just looking at it like this. The act of saying we know better than God. Sin is just this rebellion that we have that we says, you know what? I'm smarter than God. I know this is my life. I live it every single day. I don't need him to come and get into my world. And it all started with a simple story in the garden. God creates a perfect humanity, makes a perfect man, perfect woman, Adam and Eve. And he tells them, look, you can have everything here, but whatever you do, don't touch that tree. Because when you touch that tree, you're going to die. You're going to die spiritually. You're going to die physically? Just don't touch it. And sure enough, sin creeps up because Eve, in her act of believing she knows better than God, that she can make her own decisions outside God, listens to the voice of a serpent. How many in here, if a snake started talking to you, a serpent, something, would you sit there and have a conversation with them? Absolutely not. She has this conversation with uh, Satan, this fallen angel who's been kicked out of heaven for his rebellion. And he convinces her, hey, look, eat out of this tree. It's good for you. You'll be like God. And so this trajectory of sin starts that all humanity is falling over. How many people this week had a perfect week? You did nothing wrong, no bad thought, no negative intention. 
All of us have made mistakes this week. We're all guilty. And just like God says in the uh, Garden of Eden, he says, hey, look, if you eat of that, you're going to die. And the Bible tells us all sin is punishable by death. That's the result of it. It's a separation. You're, you're no longer connected to God. And outside of God, it's just, it's a dead place. And listen to what it says in Romans 5, verse 7 through 8. It says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. That in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the, ver- the word that's used in verse, seven, in verse 10. It says, God loved the world so much that he sent his son to be propitiation. A propitiation, this is what it means. A sacrifice that bears God's wrath and turns it into favor. So that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He exchanged God's wrath. He took on God's wrath that all of us deserve. And he exchanged it for the favor that God has for him and placed that on us. God sent Jesus to rescue us from his wrath. He fixed it. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 5 through 21. This, this, is one, this verse right here, Imagine Jesus Christ, perfect human being, perfect God, all in one person, never sinned, never made a mistake. And when I read this verse, it absolutely wrecked me. Listen to what it says. For our sake, he, talking about God, made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ became sin. This perfect God, this perfect man became sin. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus became sinful in that moment. It just means in that moment he took on all of our baggage. He took on all of our sin. Everything that we did wrong. Everything that we will do wrong. Everything that we've ever thought about that's wrong. He took it. All on him. He took humanity's sin and it rested on him so that his righteousness may be rested on us. For those who God loved, he sent his son. That if we believe in him, Christ's righteousness would be exchanged for our brokenness and we can stand before God cleared. Listen to this. God satisfied his own wrath through offering himself, his son. He took the responsibility for a mess he didn't create so we could be acquitted by him. Jesus Christ is the manifest proof of God's love for us. God's love is not just theoretical. It's just not something in our heads. It's something that's physical. It's tangible. God's love is a person. His name is Jesus. Point number two. A mother's love and interaction shapes our character. A mother's love and interaction shapes our character. But God's love and work in us perfects our character. 
A mother's love shapes us as we're growing up. The influence that they have on us begins to shape us. But at the end of the day, we're still broken. We're still making mistakes. But yet, God's love perfects our character. I remember when I was a youth pastor, whenever you would have a kid in there, a student, who would be considered troubled. Or a kid who just was an displaying love towards others or acting out or all of that. The first thing you, you sit there and think about is like, man, what's the home environment like? Is this kid uh, feeling the love of Jesus at home? Are his parents, are his, is his mother loving him? Is his father loving him? What's their home environment about? Because this is what we believe. If you're loved and treated well at home, when you go out into public, you'll treat others well as well. At least that's what we think. God's love the same way is kinetic. What is kinetic? It means it's, it's constantly in motion. It doesn't stop. When God shows his love on us, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we say, I believe in this big God, I believe in his son Jesus, when he showers his love by exchanging our guilt for Christ's perfection, it's not supposed to stop with us. That love is supposed to be shared. That's why John in verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We're supposed to continuously move that love forward in verse 7 at the very beginning, the first one that we read. He says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God. It's kinetic. All those who've experienced the love of God we'll begin to love others. We'll be sharing that same love to others. And in verse 12, he says this. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. No one has ever seen God. No God, sorry to burst your bubble, is not that old gray-haired man with the epic beard. That's not God. No one has ever seen God in his full and manifest form. No one has experienced that. But I want to challenge you with this. God is seen through the life and the love shown by those who follow Jesus Christ. Those who take on the character of Jesus Christ. God is visible in their lives and in their character. Jesus, when he was on earth, he manifests, he manifests God's presence. He, show, he said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus Christ said, and we get to do the same thing. Through Jesus' passion, through his character, for his love for humanity— We're able to see God's love. We're able to see God's character. We're able to see God. And we can do the same thing as well. Not in the exact same way as Jesus did it. In a lesser but still real and visible way. As we pour our hearts into others. As we pour our love into others. As we show love to the community around us. God is perfecting his love in us. He says it at the end of verse 12. He says, God abides in us and his love 
is perfected in us. We pour out, he pours in. We pour out his love, we are perfected in his love. So let me ask you this, how perfectly are you showing God's love to those around you? How are you manifesting God's love to those around you? Or mm, are you too busy spewing negative propaganda about the potential next political candidate on Facebook, on your timeline? That one was free, sorry. It wasn't in the notes. I had to share that. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. This is what he says. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal to the world through us. We are God's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to the world. God is using you and I to represent him to the world around us. Because how will they know that there is a God when they meet you? Do they say that? When you have conversations with people, do they walk away thinking, oh my gosh, there is a God? When you're at work with that difficult person, when you're at school with that irritating person, are they walking away and saying, my God, there is a God? Point number three. A mother's love provides peace and security, and God's love gives us peace that our eternal security is sure through Jesus. A mother's love provides peace and security, and God's love gives us peace that our eternal security is through Jesus. Something about kids and their moms. Kids love their moms, especially when they're young. My son, Jeremiah, who's uh, a year old now, we've tried to get that kid on a bottle. He doesn't want it. Try to give him everything else he doesn't want, especially at 2 o'clock in the morning. His mother is exhausted. She's been at home with these boys all week, and she's tired, and she just wants to rest. And I get up at 2 o'clock in the morning when he's crying, and I walk into the room, and I try to go get him. And he gets up, and he looks at my face, and he shrieks. He's like, no, not you, the other one. And I'll sit there on a rocking chair and I'll try to rock him. And he'll close his eyes because he's crying. And then he'll open his eyes and look at me. He's like, oh, God, you're still here. Where is she? And it's so funny because mom walks into the room and it's like he just smells her. He's crying. Ah! A mother's love. A mother's love provides peace and security. And God's love gives us peace. That our eternal security is through Jesus. Read with me verse 13 through 15. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him. And he in God. See, our security comes from knowing God abides in us and that we abide in him. But it's, it's interesting. Only those 
who've been granted the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit. He says uh, in verse 13, he says, because he has given us a spirit, only those who've been given the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit will actually even recognize that Jesus is God's son. They're the only ones who are going to recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen to Ephesians 2 verse 8 or read it on the screen. I believe we have this one as well. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Woohoo! Yes! And this is not of your own doing. Ooh. So I didn't save myself? I'm not, I didn't, I wasn't trumping up all my good points? And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of of God. How do we know we abide in God? Let me tell you how you know you abide in God. When you acknowledge these five things, if you're in this space right now and you acknowledge these five things, you know you are secure. God's spirit lives in you and you abide in God. They're not on the screen. I just want you to listen to them and reflect on them yourself. How do we know we abide in God? When we can acknowledge that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the second person of the Trinity, Father God, Father Son, who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Did I say Father Son? Oops. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus was sent by God the Father because of his love for us. Do you believe that? Number two, that he lived and walked on this earth as the only perfect, sinless human who was at the same time perfectly God, two distinct natures in one human being. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he came and paid for your sins and my sins by dying on the cross and being buried and raised on the third day? Not as a spirit, but as a living person, he came back to life and through that satisfied the holy wrath of God that me and you are due. Do you believe that? Can you acknowledge that? Number four, do you believe, can you acknowledge that his sacrifice is sufficient to save without any need of any more action on our part outside of repentance. Do you believe that? That his sacrifice is sufficient to save without you saying, okay, now I got to go be good enough. Now I got to go do all these great works. That his death on the cross and his burial and resurrection is sufficient to save you. Number five, through him, through Jesus, we've traded Eternal separation for eternal life with him. Can you acknowledge that? If you can acknowledge this, you know God abides in you and you abide in him because only his Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. And if you have that in your mind and you know that's, that's you, you can be secure. Let me tell you what happened to me. I was In my early 20s, 
I was doing the same thing that I did every weekend with my buddies. Most of us in there were working professionals, so don't think that we were just some juvenile delinquents. We're all in here every weekend. Friday night, we're going out. Saturday night, we're going out. We were getting plastered. We were getting drunk every night. We were getting high every night. Sorry if there are kids in here. That was our life, and we enjoyed it. And there was nothing, uh, as the young kids say, we turned up every weekend. And everything was okay. Everything was all good because this is what we did. This is what we pursued. Life was fine. And then one day, I'm sitting in the living room of a buddy of mine doing the same thing that we were going to do. And I remember getting there. It was just an ordinary night. The party was going to be out in Kalamazoo, and we're just getting ready. And as I was sitting there, I'm looking around, and it was almost as if a switch just got turned on. And immediately I looked around, and I said, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to that what I'm doing every single weekend. And that came from absolutely nowhere. And I said that, and I voiced it to my friends. I said, hey, guys, you ever think that what we're doing is kind of tired, it's lame? Like, this is what we're doing every weekend, guys. And in that moment, I started pursuing him. I want to find out what this better life is, because obviously what I'm living right now is not working. Verse 17, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is also, we are in this world. See, there are two outcomes for humanity. There is eternal life and eternal punishment. That's it. We've got two. At the end of this life, when we go either the way of the grave or we see Jesus coming in all glory, we've got two places that we will end up, eternal life or eternal punishment. But if we abide in Jesus, our hope is in that eternal life through him. And he says, and so we are. Christ's actions on earth were marked by love and obedience. And when he walked on this earth, he said, uh, this is what he said, John 6 verse 38. He says, for I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And his presence still remains here on earth through the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we strive to live with that same love and obedience, we need not fear the judgment. That's what he's telling us here. And in verse 18, he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. God's love gives us the peace that our eternal security is through Jesus. Love produces security. It doesn't produce the opposite. Love gives us peace. Love gives us comfort. We have no need to fear when we are surrounded by love. And I don't know why I put it in this text, and maybe it's for somebody sitting here today, but I just want to remind you this. If you're being intimidated by somebody who claims that they love you, if you're being beaten, verbally abused, you're being cut down with words, somebody's withholding affection from you, that is not love. 
There is a brokenness of love there. Whenever there's fear or doubt, a mistrust or protection, there's a a holding back. There's a breakdown in love. It can be built. It can be rebuilt. But I want to let you know is don't buy the line. Perfect love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love. Real life, real love promotes security, promotes peace, promotes comfort. And in this text, he's telling the individuals who are reading this, look, if you fear the possible judgment of God, if the, the idea that Jesus Christ is returning and there, there's going to be a judgment at the end of this age, if that produces fear inside of you, he's saying you're not secure in the love that God has for you because this is God love. Romans 8, verse 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Remember when I was young, my mom would always tell me that. Every time I made a mistake, you don't have to worry. Your love is secure with me. I'm always going to love you, son. There's nothing that you can do to make me love you less. And that is what God is telling us through this text, through Paul who wrote this text. He's saying nothing will separate you from the love of God. Let's get into the final point. Point number four. A mother's love teaches us to treat others the way we want to be treated. Anybody, every parents ever say that to you? Gave you the golden rule? Treat others the way you want to be treated. But God's love commands us to love others for our own benefit. God's love commands us to love others for our own benefit. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Again, God's love is kinetic. It's not supposed to stay with us. It's supposed to flow out to others. If we've received God's love, we're supposed to show others the same type of love. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Some people, we can't stand. Let's just be honest. Some people are just difficult to love. Some people are just flat-out irritating and annoying and frustrating. And names and people's faces are coming into your minds right now. But what if those are the same people God is calling for you to love? What if those are the same people God is trying to reach through you? We are his people making the appeal to the world. Many times we miss God opportunities in people's lives because we're too busy complaining about them. We miss the little silver lining of what God is doing. We miss that opportunity to say that right word because we're too busy, frustrated, and caught up in, their, in our angst towards them. How can we be used by 
God to impact people's life if we hate them. Think about it. And then he says here, he says, look. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. He says, where's the logic in that? How is it easier? Let's just think about it for a second. Let's be serious. How is it easier for us to love a mystical spiritual being, but we can't love the person right next to us? The person who's alive in the flesh, the person who we can actually build and restore a relationship with. He says, hey, look, if, if, if you love God, but you don't love others who are right in front of you, the people who bleed like you do, the people who suffer like you do, then guess what? You're a liar. That's not love because God's love is kinetic. It's supposed to always flow out. Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. simple. If we love God, we must love our brother or our sister. We must love others. It's not an option. It's a command. And if we love God, then we will honor what is required of us. A lot of times as parents, we'll say, if you love me, you'll do it. You'll listen to me. And God is saying the same thing. If you love me, you'll love others. It's an object lesson. He's showing us everything that we've just seen in the text. We didn't deserve his love. Faith was a gift. It was a gift of grace. We were destined for eternal punishment, eternal separation from God. But God chose to love us anyway, and he's calling you to love them anyway. Love her anyway. Love him anyway. Anyway, if we are to experience the epic life, we have to understand the love God has for us. And we have to extend that love towards others. It's an epic love that leads to an epic joy, which we have an epic fellowship with God and with those around us. This is the love that God is calling us to have. And here goes the thing. We get to see that same love that transformed us. Who in here was a mess before you came to faith? Just a straight up mess. Are you willing to admit it? Guess what? You get to see that same love that transformed you transform somebody else. That's what he's calling us to. And to tell you the truth, that's epic in itself. Now, here's the reality. Some of you in here, this type of love that we've shared about mothers, maybe, maybe you didn't grow up with your biological mom, so you, you don't have that connection. Maybe this, this type of love, this epic love that provides security and joy and peace uh, may not fit your mother. This self-sacrificing, protecting description of love, you're looking back and you're saying, no, that is not my mom. I just want to tell you this. Realize this. God's love is deeper. It's stronger. It's more real than any 
mother can give. Sorry to steal your shine today, mothers. But God's love surpasses even the most loving mother's love. And he's willing to fill that void for you today. He wants to give you that love today. He wants you to experience that love beginning right now if you're willing to receive it. Let me ask you this. How would it feel? How would it feel to not have to worry or be concerned about your faith in future judgment? How would it feel to know that your faith is secure, that you don't have to walk around tiptoes and when you make a mistake, you sit there and you start freaking out. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to hell. I did this. But realizing Romans 8, 1, that says, for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because they've experienced God's love. How would it feel to have that security in your faith and in your salvation? There's two decisions you'll have to make today. The first decision you have to make for somebody in here is accept the love that God has granted you through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins and my sins, removing your guilt and exchanging it for his perfection. Accept that gift today. The second thing that I want you to do is I want you to continue to extend that self-sacrificing love to those around you. That way you know that God abides in you and you abide in him. Seek to show love to those that have hurt you. Seek to show reconciliation to those who've done you wrong. And especially those that the world has turned their backs on. And finally, it's Mother's Day. Show mama some love. Big hugs, big kisses. We've got this little picture frame over here. Along with the few family portraits, you can take a picture with your mother right here. Just have some fun today. Experience the epic life that God has for you by accepting God's love for you and extending that love to someone else. Let's pray. Gracious God, we just thank you for your epic love. Thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a gory, dirty, bloody, painful cross all for our sake. Lord, he did it out of love and obedience to you, Lord. He extended himself towards us and you extended him towards us as well, Lord. May we extend the same type of self-sacrificial love towards others. And Lord, we thank you for these moms who've done it day in and day out and continue to do it daily. We celebrate them, Lord, for for them being used by you to giving us a glimpse of what it is to be loved without boundaries. So God, we just celebrate them. We honor them today. We thank you for their life. We thank you for their love. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for your love. 
continue to draw us closer to you. And Lord, if there's anybody in here, Lord, who has not made a decision to follow you in this message, they've, uh, they've thought about it and they said, you know what? I want to experience this love, this love that everyone is always talking about. This love that everybody else claims. I want to experience this epic love. God, may they just make a decision to follow you this morning. We ask all these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. And for his sake alone, amen.